Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. My name is Chrissy Garrison. I'm an independent science fiction and fantasy author, and I will be reading my stories to you. Before I begin this episode, I'd like to let you know that the world of Aird, as mentioned in the Multiverse Blues, was first featured in my standalone science fiction novel, Reality Check. It's the steampunky silly hat world that Lee visits. Reality Check is possibly my single most popular book. I want you to also know that the world of Aird is the world of my transcontinental series, where Ida and Duffy have their steampunk adventures. Please do check out these books and more on my website at sillyhatbooks.com fiction. Last time on the Multiverse Blues, Jules finds himself on a boat with a new friend in yet another Earth, only this Earth seems not to be linked into the Arch Network, so there's no obvious way for them to return. As a side note, if you've ever wondered why I name the chapters of the Multiverse Blues the way I do, it's because I'm using only the titles of Robert Johnson's songs. It just seemed to go with the concept somehow. And now, the Multiverse Blues, Milk Cow's Calf Blues. I shivered in the cold November air, despite the wool blanket Jimmy'd given me. A chill wind blew across Lake Michigan and the deck of the small boat we stood on. I held the baby Tristellian close to my chest for mutual warmth. I peered up into the leaden sky as if to find a way out of this world. Jimmy wrung his hands. Do you think a solution's just going to fall out of the sky? I laughed. <laughs> Why not? I did. Lucy did. True, but not all at once. You were here both times, though. Jimmy nodded. Yeah, but the first time was a fluke. And the second time? Jimmy ran a hand through his hair and glanced at the sky before meeting my eyes. I guess you could call it a gut feeling. Something strange about that patch of lake. I went out and checked when I could, lucky for you. I smiled. Very lucky. Almost unbelievably lucky. I mean, what are the odds? Jimmy shrugged. Dunno. Maybe you'd best get a lottery ticket while you can. Maybe. So if lightning struck twice, dare I hope for a third time? Ah, would it be so bad to be marooned here with me? Jimmy winked at me. I shivered. Might seem better to me if I could get warm. But that means abandoning the spot where I fell through. Thinking of flapping your arms and flying back up there? I sighed and slumped. <sighs> I guess not. Jimmy reached out toward me, but stopped just short of touching my shoulder. He withdrew his hand. We'll figure something out. We can come back here, same time tomorrow, okay? Is the time of day important? Jimmy nodded. Yeah, both you and little Lucy there fell into my life at 4.04 p.m. on a Wednesday. Huh. It wasn't a Wednesday or that time of day when I left Delta. There must be a time shift here. Well, and a spatial shift, too, since I was deep below the city somewhere. Er, that's not right. I was between worlds. Jimmy pressed his lips together and made a popping sound. Sure, I don't know anything about all that, but let's get you home in something warmer. Maybe have some dinner? Then we'll come back here tomorrow. Brunch this morning with Patrick seemed years ago. Good idea. I'm starved. Lucy gurgled and wriggled in my arms, letting out a whistling, descending note. Sounds like she's hungry, too. Let's go. Jimmy showed me into the boat's cabin, which wasn't any warmer, 
but I found the lack of wind to be a vast improvement. My host guided his boat quickly and quietly through the lake. We bobbed on choppy waves kicked up by late afternoon winds, and the city loomed up ahead. After we pulled up to the dock, Jimmy secured his boat and helped me out onto the dock. From there, we walked to a trolley station. Jimmy brought some hot dogs and glass bottles of soda from a vendor, and I had to exert all my willpower not to wolf it down in seconds. Jimmy fed thumb-sized bits of hot dog to a delighted Lucy, taking care to keep her covered within her blanket. As we waited for transportation to arrive, I felt conspicuous standing there wrapped in the wool blanket, wearing Jimmy's flimsy sundress. The other people paid no attention, however. I approved of the androgyny of a couple of the others waiting there with us and wondered if this could be the first new world where I might fit in. Maybe. Hey, what's up with the blue hair, guy? said an older man in a weather-stained trench coat and knit beanie, featuring an ursine character of some kind. Why don't you mind your own business, said Jimmy, interposing himself between me and the man. I can take care of myself, I said to Jimmy. To the trench coat wearing man, I said, I'm a natural cobalt. What's it to you? The guy ignored me and glared at Jimmy. Flippin' pansies. You ruined my country. Can't even have a car in Chicago anymore because of people like you. Hope you're happy. Jimmy snorted. No one's stopping you, bud. Taxes is what's stopping me. Transit laws is what's stopping me. Pansies like you are why we gotta wait for trolleys like it was a hundred years ago. The man stepped toward Jimmy. My new friend stood in place, glaring at the guy. Look, if I had a nice hat like yours, you wouldn't even know what color my hair is. But I fell in the lake. Give me a break, okay? The man kept his eyes locked with Jimmy, still ignoring me. Things get a little rough out there on the water. What if they did, said Jimmy, his eyes narrowing. His hands closed into fists, and the older guy pulled his hands out of his coat pockets and did the same. To my relief, a trolley pulled up just then. I put my hand on Jimmy's arm, and after another tense moment, Trenchcoat boarded the trolley ahead of us. Maybe we should wait for the next one, I suggested. Jimmy shook his head, taking my hand in his, and led me into the trolley. Can't let guys like that get to you. Can't let them win. I sighed. He didn't get to me. He got to you. I appreciate you taking care of me, but I don't need a knight in shining armor. Just a hot shower and a change of clothes and a good night's sleep, maybe? We sat, facing each other, still holding hands. Tension flowed out of his face like water draining from a tub. Yeah, okay, sorry. I shook my head. No, don't be. I just got shot at, and I've been on the run for days now, and I didn't want any more trouble. At least not until I'm more myself. Jimmy nodded, then his eyes lit up. Do you suppose there's a Jules like you here in my world? I nodded. Odd seem good, since versions of me seem to be all over the multiverse, and I know another you already. You think maybe that Jules knows something that could help you? I could check for them in the phone book. I shrugged. If you don't have any portals here, I don't see why they would know any more than you. He nodded. Yeah, I guess not. Still, I'm going to look them up and see if we can get you on your way. I rolled my eyes. What are you even going to tell them? I'd never seen a wolfish grin cross my dribbler's lips like the one Jimmy gave me right now. I'm going to ask them if they believe in fate, and then I'm going to tell them the truth. 
From what I know about you, the local Jules is going to be open-minded, too. Never can tell. So far, one of the Jules I met was sketchy enough to work for a corporate goons enslaving Lucy's people for their own gain. And another, from a place called Aird, tried to kill my friends. She was a piece of work. Had an interesting neo-Victorian fashion sense, though. She, hmm, said Jimmy, raising an eyebrow. I shrugged. Yeah, don't ask me. I don't imagine all of my interdimensional twins express their gender the same as me. Who knows if they're even configured the same biologically? Wouldn't, wouldn't that mean they're not another you, then? If they're that different, then how are they even you at all? I smiled. You think I have all the answers? Buddy, I'm swimming as fast as I can, and I still can't keep up with all the weirdness life's been throwing at me since I followed that cat. Cat? I shook my head. Long story. Suffice it to say, she was my white rabbit. So, you have Lewis Carroll where you're from, too, huh? I nodded. Seems like different worlds split off at certain points in history. Your world doesn't seem all that different from mine. Seems calmer here, though. Maybe it's the lack of cell phones? Some people have those. I can't be bothered. I don't want to be reachable all the time. I smiled. You'd hate Delta, then. They're not only always available, they're always plugged in. It had some advantages, but it wasn't a calm place. This is our stop, said Jimmy, standing up as the trolley pulled up to a station. He pointed down a cross street. I just live a couple blocks that way. We disembarked, and thankfully, Trenchcoat Guy stayed in the trolley. Lucy squeaked as the cold wind hit her face once again, and I said, I hear you, little thing. Not much longer now. Jimmy led us to his building, and we took the elevator up a couple of floors. His apartment was near the end of the hallway on that floor, and when he let us in, my nose was assaulted by a fishy stink. Sorry about the mess, apologized my host, clearing off papers on his love seat just inside the door. The little squeaker goes through sardines and diapers and trash pickups not until tomorrow. I nodded. I've got other friends who are single parents. Now, about that shower and clothes, please? The shower turned out to be a glass stall with an economy shower head that blasted me with needles of steamy water. I lathered up good and let out a happy sigh as the lake water, sweat, and dirt sloughed off of me. I hope you like maroon, cried Jimmy from the next room. I left some leggings and a sweater on the counter for you. I guess he must have snuck in and out while I had my eyes closed as I rinsed off. Irritation crept into my otherwise blissful shower, knowing he'd probably had a peek at me. Not that he could see much but an outline through the pebbled glass of the shower stall, but still, I'd rather he had gotten my consent first. That's fine, I called. Please shut the door. I'd like some privacy, please. No problem. The door shut and I was alone in the steamy bathroom. After toweling off, I found the maroon leggings needed to be rolled up at the ankles, but fit comfortably enough. The sweater was a heavy cable-knit baggy thing of nearly the same color, but that suited me just fine. I also liked that it covered me almost to my knees. Cozy. Hope's voice sang the lyrics to Almost Human in my head, and I realized I did feel a 100% better. Her voice soothed some of my fears, but at the same time I had a lump of something in my stomach. I missed Hope. I missed my dribbler, and Jasmine, and all my new family on the tour bus. I realized the lump in my tummy was homesickness. 
Imagine that, homesick for a group of people I'd only known a few days, in a home that moved from place to place. As nice as Jimmy seemed, as comfortable as this earth promised to be, I wanted my new family, my new home back. But how? Would Hope find a way to drop a rope from the sky for me to climb up? Would I have to parasail up to a hole in the sky over Lake Michigan? Would that even work? I emerged in a plume of steam from the bathroom, only to be greeted by a giggling, naked baby Lucy crawling across the shag rug toward me. Jimmy cried, Get back here, you little twerp! I haven't got your diaper on you yet! I scooped up the baby Tristellian and delivered her back to our host. How do you even do that? I mean, with the tail and all. Gotta cut a slit in the back. I use medical tape to hold it together. By the way, man, those clothes look better on you than they ever did on me. Keep them. Thank you. You're an excellent host. I'm just about to pass out. Do you have an, a blanket and a corner I could curl up in? Jimmy's eyes twinkled and he said, I'd say you could join me, but I guess we don't know each other well enough yet. So you take my bed and I'll sleep out here on the couch. Gotta feed the little booger in the wee hours anyway. She can't go more than a few hours without eating, it seems. He showed me his nest of a bed, which I flopped into without comment. He lingered in the doorway a long moment, but stayed true to his word and shut the door with me inside. I don't know how long I slept, but it was dark out when I awoke. A strange light glowed at the foot of Jimmy's bed, a large oval light that shimmered like a sideways pond. For a disoriented moment, I thought Jimmy might have an oval full-length mirror in his room, but this gave off its own light. A figure, smaller than Jimmy, stood in silhouette inside the glowing oval. The figure wore a full-skirted dress of some kind. The figure also held a bell-muzzled gun that rang alarm bells in my head. I decided to play possum as she crept closer to the side of the bed. When she stood over me, I struck her in the gut as hard as I could. She folded in half, her breath escaping in a whoosh. I leapt to my feet. The gun clattered across the floor, and I dove after it. So did she. We wrestled on the ground, and she struggled for breath since it seemed I'd knocked the wind out of her. She scratched at my face with sharp, hard nails as I kicked her in the shins and elbowed her in the ribs. The portal at the foot of the bed winked out, leaving us in darkness. From the other room, Lucy wailed as only a baby can. Some thumping around let me know that Jimmy was awake, so I cried out for help. The gun skittered across the bedroom floor as we wrestled in the dark. I couldn't be certain which way it went, and I hoped my double from air didn't know either. The door opened and the light snapped on, and my eyes were too dazzled for a moment for that to be more useful than darkness. Jimmy! Grab the gun! Don't shoot it! I cried, even as my doppelganger let out a scream of frustration, reaching past me for it. Jimmy kicked the gun out into the hallway and grabbed the jewels from Aird and pulled her off of me. She swung wildly in his grasp. Let me go! You don't understand! I understand that you're hurting my new friend, bitch, he yelled, and I understand that you're in my apartment, and I didn't invite you here. I need that child, and I need to capture that jewels! What do you know about a child? I asked, clambering to my feet. Jimmy held her arms pinned to her sides, hugging her tight from behind. Man, I know you're not going to take that child away. Jules, get past me and make sure Lucy's okay. She kicked at me as I squeezed past her to get out of the room. In the hallway, I found Lucy gurgling and whistling as she crawled toward the portal gun. 
I scooped her up and then grabbed the gun and pointed it into the living room. I'm sorry for the mess, Jimmy. It's been good to meet you, but I have to be going now. Struggling in Jimmy's arms, the jewels from Arid screamed, No! You can't leave me here! Jimmy whipped his head around as I pulled the trigger on the portal gun. What? Wait! Another oval grew in front of me, shimmering with the sunlight of a new day in another world. Before anyone could object, I stepped through and the portal closed behind me. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places. The theme music for Alien Beer Podcast is Phantom from Space by Kevin McLeod. I very much enjoy feedback on this podcast and on my stories, so please leave comments on my website, visit me at, at EC Garrison on Twitter, E. Chris Garrison on Facebook, or drop me an email at ecg at sillyhatbooks.com. What if a storytelling podcast could be an interactive experience? Hi, I'm Mariah Powell, amateur author and creator of Hobbies Include Writing, and I'm openly inviting your opinions on stories I haven't finished writing yet. Launching with my original audio novel, Blood That Binds, visit hobbiesinclude-writing.weebly.com for more about the show and look for it on a podcasting platform near you. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.